What questions should you ask when you're interviewing for a job? That's what we're talking about today on The Working Therapist. Welcome to The Working Therapist, a podcast designed to help you grow in your therapy practice. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. Now here are your hosts, Hayden Bolick and Kirsty Miles. So today we are talking about interview questions. I would consider Kirsty and I to be interview experts. <laughs> we do a lot of interviews. We do. But we here's do. why. Because and this is our philosophy. It is all about the people. The people, people, people. We are in a people business. If you don't have good people, and when I say good people, I mean, if you don't have people that match your why, like as an organization, our why is that we feel like we have like, why? Why do we keep showing up? So when I say why, what is our why? Why do we keep showing up? It's not because Kirsten and I love to write a daily note or an evaluation. No, in fact, I hate that. We hate that. But <laughs> it's because we, but we feel like we have a small window in the life of a child to help them with whatever their area of need is, small, large, it doesn't really matter to us. But we have the opportunity to help them so that they can go and live their life. It's their life. It's not our life. We're the helper people. That's our why. Like, that's why we keep showing up because we like to help kids and we like to educate families in the process. So to do that, though, you have to have people who match who their why and their mission is matches your why and how you want to do that. So if you don't have people that match, not gonna work. it's never going to work, you know? And so, um, so we interview a lot of people because we are just trying to find the right people that sort of match our why and how we do things here. And that's not for everybody and not everybody is for us and that's okay. Right. But we have to interview so we can find those people. We do. And, you know, Hayden and I say we're a comprehensive, collaborative approach to therapy. Mm-hmm. And I use the phrase all the time. You got to be all in. Like you can't just do you can't sort of do pediatrics. No. Pediatrics is such a specialty. I can't come in and just kind of do my job. You know, no. I'm all in because that kid's going to sniff out that you're kind of doing your job. Yeah. And you're going to go down. Like, yeah. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to win if this is a competition, though I don't know that it is, but you're going down. And we don't mean like you have to work 24 hours a day. That is 100% not what we mean. But when you show up at work, when you step through the door, that you are all in giving 100%, not for just one of those children that day, but every single child on your caseload. Just like when Hayden and I step in, we're here to give 110% for every child, but every person that works here. Mm -hmm. And so... We want people that match that, that are 100% dedicated to what we do here all day, every day. And, you know, we've kind of said, like, when your B game is pretty good, you need to bring your A game, but your B game better be pretty good. Like, when you're off, because there's going to be a day you, you're not feeling 100% and can't run full speed chasing after the kids. <laughs> but you're still giving it your all, and yeah. that's what really matters. And you're there for the patient. It's not about us. It's about them. We say that all the time, and that's the truth. Because every person that's coming through our doors is bringing one of their most special people. You know, aunt, uncle, mama, grandmama, granddaddy, daddy, mama, it doesn't matter. They're bringing one of their most special people, their, whoever it is, child, that kind of thing. And so for that time period that we have them, they're one of their most special people is one of our most special people. And to do that, you really have to give it your all. You do. So that's what they expect. And that's what we do. So you can't do it halfway. So we're looking for people who match that. And we're fast paced. And we see a bunch of kids with a wide variety of issues, which is really exciting and fun in a very nerdy therapist kind of way, but whatever. So we want people who are excited about the same thing. 
Yeah. So we do a lot of interviews. And we don't try to mask that in the interview process. No. I mean, we come out and say what we do here, how we do it, the schedule, what it looks like. And so we, as an organization, want to be very transparent because we want people to know what they're getting into mm-hmm. and what they're going to do all day long. And if you want to come to work and push papers all day, this is not really the gig. No. No, no, this is not the gig. Because we do daily notes, we do avows, but we do them in a quick, efficient way, and we give because we're seeing people back to back. Because we give the insurance companies what they want, and we don't give them more, we don't give them less, we just give them what they want. And to do that, there's some training involved, and so you have to want to learn how to do that. But the focus is on seeing kids and helping kids. That's our focus. So that being said, we as an organization try to be very transparent. But sometimes when you interview with people, it's more of they're interviewing you, but you really need to be interviewing them. So we fully expect people to ask us questions we about want them. what, yes, mm-hmm. because we're ready to answer them. Because <laughs> yeah. Maybe somebody who has only worked maybe in just one or two jobs, or maybe somebody that has never worked as a therapist in the therapist capacity kind of thing. Maybe people don't really know what to ask. So on this podcast, we really want to talk about, here's some questions that you could ask that would benefit you to help you really find out what is this place like? Like, what am I interviewing for? What is this job like? So here's some questions that we think might be helpful for you to talk about and ask about so that you can really get the most out of your interview and learn the most from whoever you're interviewing with to find out if this is the right fit for you. So these questions are for the person who is being interviewed to ask, not the person who's doing the interview. These are the questions you ask of whoever is wanting to hire you. We do get a lot of compliments on our interview questions. People are like, wow, I've never been asked questions this in depth before. And it's really (laughs) important to us to get to the root of what makes people tick and how they operate and that sort of thing. So we like to hear about kind of a day in the life of what they've been doing, whether it's on clinical or in their most recent job. And that ties us to the first question about the schedule. So sometimes people will ask us questions like, so what would my caseload or how many people are on my caseload? Well, I think that's a fine question, but it really, okay, so say somebody says 20 kids. What's that really going to tell you? I mean, this is not ever Do those how, 20 kids get seen three times a week, two times I, a week, or one time it, a week? It's not going <laughs> to give you enough information. So if they say, okay, 20, so what, what does that mean? And what follow-up question do you ask? I don't really know. How long are their sessions? Yeah, you know, yeah, all that. So you need to ask questions like, how many clients will I see in a day? Who manages the schedule? What are the expectations regarding how I manage my schedule or my input into my schedule? What are the expectations for the organization about that? Who manages the cancellations and no-shows? What is the organization's expectations when I have a cancellation or a no-show? What should I be doing with my time? When do I get my daily notes done? Or when do I get my paperwork done? When does that happen? You know, that's more, I think, of telling you how you're going to spend your day. So for all those listening, you're listening, Mm -hmm. that was the first question. (laughs) (laughs) There was like, there was 10 first questions, right? (laughs) I never asked. I never asked. likes to stack her questions. I never asked one question. I've learned how to do better with that, right? Sometimes (laughs) she'll ask me a question, but it's like rapid fire three. And I just stare at her for a minute until she like scales them back because I'm like, I'm just going to pick and choose. Which one do you want me to answer? (laughs) Of the above, I'm going to answer question number three. I'm skipping one, two, four, and five. (laughs) But but I think one question like leads to the next to the next. But if you say, how many kids are on my caseload? Okay, 20. 
that doesn't tell me anything. Does it tell you anything? And when we answer that question, we kind of share a lot more than we're asked. (laughs) (laughs) We we kind of tell people, so here's what you really want to ask. (laughs) And then we do what we just did. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't do it in a way that's disrespectful. No, no. We just say, and then they're like, oh, 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 okay. Wow. Can I write that down? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I hope so. I would write that down. But I think it's really important to know because, for example, when are, when is the expectation of getting your daily notes done? So, because you need to know what works for you. And so, if you want time during your day to get your daily notes done, then you need to ask if there's time for that. Or if the expectation is, okay, well, you have a cancellation and a no-show, so that means you need to go and clean the waiting room or you need to go and... I don't know what it is you would do, but you need to know that because that would be kind of a shock. I always say this, everything in a medical practice when you see patients starts at the schedule. How do you spend your time? And we see kids, so you just need to know because it also tells you a lot about how the organization values your time. You know, if they want you to submit the authorizations yourself, which is fine if they do, if they want you to clean the waiting room and stuff like that, which is fine if they do, it just tells you the value of your time is going to be split among various activities. And it tells you maybe about some of the philosophy of the organization and and some of their culture, which is is all good. It's just you need to know before you take a job if that's what you're looking for for yourself. Mm -hmm. Right? Do you think I missed anything on the schedule thing? What other questions to ask? I rapid fired them. Boom, 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 boom. Do you work weekends? Do you work weekends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should ask that. I don't think anybody asks us that, but I usually chime in. I'm like, we don't work on the weekends. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Kirsty does usually say that. I do. And, and, and I think one of the things that Kirsty does. I have also, not given up my no, weekends. No, I'm not either. No, I'm not, down, I'm not down with that either. Though we've given up our weekends on multiple occasions for other things, but we don't ask that of other people. Right. And we don't usually give up our weekends either. But anyway, <laughs> but sometimes, but that's just kind of just our gig. Anyway, just for COVID. But so I think it's important for you to know how you're going to spend your time while you're there at work mm-hmm. and asking really in-depth questions about the schedule. Give, we'll do that for you. Another thing that people really like to know about, but they don't ask too many questions about is training and mentorship. No, they say they want it. They, yeah, that's what they say. But then there's no other follow-up questions sometimes. We ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. about it. Like, what does that look like for them and stuff? But that's not what this is about. So some important questions to ask about the training and mentorship is, what does that mean to the organization? And what does that training look like? Yes. Normally, we never get asked this question, or I'm not sure if we ever have before. But also, when you say training and mentorship, to me, those are two very different things. What does that mean to the organization? training versus mentorship, training and mentorship? Like what do they distinguish the two? I definitely distinguish the two, but but I think that would be an important question to ask about because really depending on where you are in your career, you may need some training. Everybody needs some training when they take a new job, but you may be more of the point of mentorship, not so much training, you know, because if you can do the basic speech, occupational, and physical therapy, then you're really ready more for mentorship, not training, is potentially, you know? Yeah, that's taking it to another level. It is taking it to another level. But I think it's important to f- ask if there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Just tells you the depth of the organization, I think, too, if they've thought through that, if the leadership has thought through that. You know, I think for a brand-new grad, you need training. You need a lot of training at first. And so, like what Kiersey said, what does that training look like? What am I going to learn? Like specifically, what are some of the things that you're going to teach me in the training? Do I get input on the topics? Yes. Uh, that's a really good question. How long does the training last? 
You know, or like, is it for a one week, a day, three months, a the year? first 30 days I'm here and then I'm on my own. Right. Or? And who's going to do the training? Like, how am I going to learn that of the stuff you've important to learn? Also, you may want to ask too about, does the organization pay for the training? Meaning for classes or for, is the training like on the job training in the course of the day? Like, how does it work and who pays for it? And you want to get specific. What does that training really look like? How does it work? You want to dig deep into what does that mean? And that's going to tell you a lot. If somebody says, oh, you get training, but then they can't give you the specifics of that. It makes you wonder what kind of training. Are you sure? Or what does that mean? Or is there some, maybe there's somebody else in the organization you talk to that might know more about it. I don't know. But if you ask specifics and you don't get any specific answers, it may just tell you that they're not very intentional about it. Do I need to provide my own equipment? What about test protocols? That's a good question. Now, sometimes we get a question sort of kind of like that, you know, but then they'll say, do I have to provide my own equipment? Yes. And then there's usually not too much of a follow-up, but a good follow-up I think would also be what's allowed in the clinic. So if I have to provide my own, what? Do I provide all of my therapy toys? Do I need to take them in and out with me every day? Do I have to provide all the testing materials? How do you upload your tests? Like, how do I get them into the EMR if that's what they're using? You know, you want to sort of dig deep into that. What's allowed in the clinic? What's not allowed in the clinic? How do I clean them? Do they provide cleaning materials for you too? You know, those are really good questions because if you're getting paid, but you've also got to provide your own tests, your own protocols, and your own therapy toys, you're going to have to take that out of your paycheck. Well, and that's where I was going to go next, because when you talk about salary versus hourly, yes, and so a lot of times people will do research on various websites to get what is the going rate for a therapist in that area, because different areas of the country, they mm-hmm. pay differently. Mm-hmm. Big cities pay differently. So depending on what you're going to do, depending on the caseload, depending on if you have to provide your own materials, depending on the benefits package. So all of that kind of lumps into like the salary discussion for me. Do you pay hourly or salary? What happens if my patient doesn't show up and I'm hourly? You know, is it the time I'm there till the time I'm leaving hourly or is it the time I'm treating hourly? Mm-hmm. So I think just to ask the question, do I get paid hourly? It doesn't tell you enough. It doesn't. So they say yes. So you're under the impression, well, if I'm there eight to five, I get paid eight to five. No. Mm-hmm. You get to pay. You only had four people show up and you saw them for an hour. You're getting paid for four hours. So is it eat what you kill? Which that's what eat what you kill. I mean, I only get paid for what I bill out. I, eat what you kill. But I took home three hours of paperwork. Yeah, but uh, you don't get paid for that. Sorry. You need to find out. <laughs> does, is, yeah, does pay per hour mean you get paid for paperwork and patient time? Do you get paid for the two at a different rate? If they said, oh, yeah, you get paid hourly, you get paid for both. Do you get paid at a different rate for paperwork time versus patient time? Do What happens if I show up at a house and the family's not there? Do I still get paid? Do I get paid mileage? If I do get paid mileage, how do they figure out the mileage? Do you get paid mileage all day long every day? You just get a flat rate? Some companies just say, okay, yeah, you get like $100 a month for mileage. You could drive... 10,000 miles, you get paid $100 a month. Some companies may say, oh, you get paid per mile, but only in these situations. So you need to ask about if it's eat what you kill, meaning you only get paid for what you bill out. Hayden says that all the time. Every time she says it, I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, that's what it is. So, that, and so some people say like, oh gosh, well, you know, I get paid $35 an hour. Okay, well, is that gross? Are they taking taxes out of that? Do you have to pay taxes? Is the company paying taxes? Was your schedule full during COVID? Yeah, is your schedule full during COVID? <laughs> I had one time, this poor therapist, she worked for us for a while and then she moved closer to home and she took a eat what you kill kind of job, like you get paid hourly but you only get paid for what she built out. Well, at the right after she took the job that summer, we had a huge hurricane in North Carolina, major flooding in this place where she worked, and they were shut down for like a month. 
she got nothing, no pay, no money, no money, honey. And that was, that's a tough, and that's hard. If you want to have an income and you want to buy a house, you want to purchase a car, you want to, you want to eat anything you want to eat. That's problematic. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to know. I mean, that may be the best model for you. And, that, and I'm not saying anything against that model. I'm just saying you need to ask about it. So you may want to say, hey, is this eat what you kill? Do you get paid for what you only what you bill out? What about paperwork? What about authorizations? And then also for on the topic of salary. And by the way, we are on the topic of salary. So is this a salary position? Meaning you're paid a regular steady paycheck. When do you get paid? And is that an automatic deposit? Do I get a hard check? And when would my first check be after I started? You know, I think you should ask those so you can do some planning because you got to make a deposit on an apartment or a house. You got moving expenses. I'll get into that in just a second. But so if it's salaried, some questions to ask would be, when do I get paid? Do I get a check stub, a hard check? You know, what day of the week or day of the month? Is it once a month, once a week, twice a month? You know, what? how often is that salary going to happen? And what if the holiday falls on payday? That's an important thing to know. That's the a banks really- are closed. That's a really important thing to know. Or is it hourly? Hourly is do you get paid for what you bill out? Do you get paid at a different rate for paperwork? Does what you get paid per hour include paperwork, include patient time? What if your patients cancel or no show? Am I responsible for filling the schedule? What's going to happen? Do I get, um, if you're salaried and the schedule's not full, do they take away vacation days? You need to ask those types of questions so you can figure out exactly what you're going to get paid for because there's lots of different models out there. And by not asking them, you won't know until you're already there. It's too late. And when you talk about salary too, so when we go back to looking on those websites and finding the going rate in the area, um, which they do give you a salary and an hourly rate on a lot of those websites, I think something to consider is they will include the benefits in addition to the base salary. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people come with an inflated idea of what that salary is going to be, but you haven't deducted the base salary and separated out the benefits. So a lot of times those are salary plus benefits. And if you've never paid your own taxes, if you're paying you gross like per hour and you've never paid your own taxes, that means you have to pay your own quarterly taxes. That's something you're going to have to figure out and may have to hire an accountant to help you figure out that's going to come out of your money. If you're providing your own therapy materials, that's coming out of your money. Do they have benefits? Are they included? And what do you pay for those benefits? Because that's going to potentially come out of your money too. So when you get that base salary of $35 an hour gross, that's not what your take home is going to be. You got to figure out taxes and then you got to deduct all the other stuff I just said. And that could cut into how much you're actually going to see. And if you only get paid for what you bill out, you might be hungry. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but yeah, you have to cut back some, unless, who knows? I don't know. But there's different periods of your life where you want different things. Sure. And you know, don't take a full-time salary position if that's not what you're ready to commit to because you're not going to be able to give it what you really need to. Yes. And if you are a new grad and you do have a full-time salary position, but in the organization, and they have talked about mentorship and training, you want to ask, okay, so for the people who are going to do my training stuff, are they full-time? Are they part-time? Because if they're only part-time, then that's great that you're going to get training, but it means you're only going to see them maybe one or two days a week or when they're available, when they're available. So you want to kind of know that, and that may be totally fine with you. You just need to know in advance of what that is and know what you want for yourself because just because, oh yeah, you get training and your person's going to be on site, but the person that's going to be on site doing the training, they are eat what you kill or they're hourly. They're not going to want to take several hours to spend with you and train you on something because they're not going to get paid for that probably. And so you need to know that in advance. Mm -hmm. That's really an important question. Really important question. 
One more thing to think about for hourly versus salary is you also want to ask who's going to pay your malpractice insurance. Is the company going to pay your malpractice or are you going to pay your malpractice? Because if you're hourly and you're just paid gross and no taxes are coming out, my guess is they're probably not going to pay your malpractice and you need to know that. So that's another question to ask. Now that everybody's excited about hourly and salary, <laughs> you do want to ask about for insurance purposes, do you have to do the authorizations? Do you have to put the authorizations in the computer? Like what is your responsibility regarding insurance for patients. Because I think that's something important that maybe people wouldn't think about it unless they have really worked somewhere before. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a question the other day in an interview and I thought it was great. This person asked me, who does the cleaning? I thought that was a great question. I was like, great question, man. We all do. Yes. I thought it was a fantastic question. I said, I'm going to write that down because who does do the cleaning? You touch it, you clean it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but do you have a cleaning company that comes in that does like a base cleaner? Or am I going to be scrubbing the toilets? Again, I don't even probably scrubbing the toilets. I just need to know if that's my job or not, you know? And you may want to ask about the dress code. I don't know if that's important, but I think for some people that is important about the dress code and what's expected and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know? What else do you think? I think we talked a little bit about benefits, but what do the benefits entail? Is there paid time off? Are the holidays paid for? What is covered in the insurance What are the options with that? Is there a retirement benefit package? You know, those are all part of an additional benefits package that you have to consider and include back onto that salary. Mm -hmm. I think for SLPs who are doing a CF, I'm kind of off your benefits question for just a second. But for a CF, you want to ask how many CFs has a supervisor done before? You know, or who does their CF supervision in the company, you know? And then you may want to ask, hey, do you know what's required for North Carolina? If they don't have any kind of idea what's required for North Carolina or ASHA, It doesn't mean that it's not a good fit and that they wouldn't be a good supervisor. It just means you're going to do most of the legwork as a CF, which you probably should do most of the legwork if you're the CF. Like you need to know those answers, but I would also want to make sure my supervisor knew them too. What's the ratio of therapist to assistants? Yes. Because you don't want to get into a practice where you're the main therapist, but you've got four assistants to supervise. So all you do is evals all day and turn out evals all day long and you're not treating. What did we hear this week? The one therapist we talked to, her supervisor had to do five or six evals a, a day. And that was typical. So Hayden and I both know in that scenario, in working in a skilled nursing facility, she's running a bunch of assistants because she's just turning over a vows all day long. Yeah. Five or six vows in a day, which is a lot. So it's important for you to know that's what you're going to do. You just need to know it. Some organizations are set up that way. We're not knocking that organization, nope. but just giving you the insight to ask. Sometimes people associate negative things with people who ask a lot of questions. We do not. Do you really want to work there? Yeah. If I, you can't ask a question? I like it when people ask me a lot of questions. It means they're interested. They're engaged. They want to know stuff. They're trying to figure out if this is a good fit for them. It says to me a lot about the type of person they're going to be when they come to work here because they're asking a lot of questions and people who aren't interested and aren't engaged usually don't ask a lot of questions. You know, I like a lot of questions and it helps me understand kind of where they are and their understanding and their thought process. Mm -hmm. I think it's great. I love it. Like ask them away, bring it on. No question, stupid. I love the, who does your cleaning? I'm like, that was a great question. Well, I'll tell you who does the cleaning. And then I talked for a long time. So they're probably like, well, I'll never ask that again. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. But I think those are just some of the basic questions. I think, you know, Kirsty and I do a lot. And I think those are some good questions to help you really figure out, is this job the right one for you? Does this work for you? It helps you also to figure out what do you want? Yeah, we hear that a lot in the interview. Man, some of your questions have really made me start to think about what I want for myself, you know? Mm-hmm. And whether they come to work here or not, I'm happy that we were able to help them with that, maybe. I think asking some of these questions would help you figure out what do you want and what will work for you. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it helps you get to know the people a lot better, too. Because I don't think in any job, is everything going to be everything you wanted? No. no. But you have to figure out what is most important to you and that it meets those. If a job is everything you want, every time you want it, whenever you want it, it's probably called vacation. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's called a job anymore. You're not working. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, but it's most of it what you want. And can yeah. then you work with the rest? Then, you know, yeah. So as we wrap it up, I hope some of these questions will help inspire you to ask some of the ones that are best for you so that you can figure out what you want for yourself. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. For more information or to contact us, visit us online at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.